Welcome to Working Smarter, presented by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, Product Evangelist for Calabria, and I have several guests joining us today because we are talking about workforce management. And of course, when you talk about workforce management, the last thing you want to do is have one person, you want to have three. So I've got three of my uh, my close associates here that are part of the Calabrio team, and I'm very, very happy that they are here. Um, one of the questions we get asked quite frequently usually has to do with around staffing a workforce management team. Uh, things like, who should I hire? What kind of competencies should I look for? What's the ratio of people to uh, agents, right? Those things are... They're tough to answer, especially when you're first getting started. So we decided we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about those today. Now, I'm going to get to all three of my guests, but I want to introduce the first one. Uh, he comes to us from uh, many, many years in workforce management. Uh, Florian Garnier, he's our product marketing manager for WFM here at Calabrio, but he's also had extensive uh, time in the space here. So Florian, first of all, how are you doing today? And second of all, tell us, tell us why we should care about what you say. Doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, um, I don't know that you should care about what I have to say, but I do have some experience in workforce management, so hopefully that helps. Uh, I've been in the contact center industry since about 2011. Uh, I started as an agent taking calls for a company that needed somebody to speak French and I could do that. So did that for a bit and uh, quickly fell in love because I had some love with Excel already uh, with workforce management. And uh, over the last few years, really from 2012 through 2020, I ran uh, workforce management teams of various sizes, the larger one uh, for one of the ride sharing companies here in the US where we had about 6,000 agents and we were forecasting scheduling uh, those agents uh, throughout the globe really with uh, you know bpos in uh, the philippines and in south america mainly so yeah um, i've been in love and i'm a proud wfm nerd that's great and so you know i know with your experience your the company was growing pretty fast to say the least uh, which means you had to expand your agent population Pretty quickly, which also mean conversely, you had to grow your workforce management team. Um, you know, like I said earlier, one of the questions we get a lot is kind of what kind of ratio do we see? And I know there's no real definitive objective answer, but when we talk about WFM staff versus agents, what's a what's a good place to start? Yeah, um, you would really please our friends at the SWPP who said that there's no such thing as industry standards. That they love to say <laughs> that, and they're not wrong. Um, but when it comes to staffing up a WFM team, there are boundaries that you'd like to respect a bit. Uh, when it comes to schedulers, that's where you see the most commonly ratios being applied. Roughly, I would say one scheduler for every 100 agents seems to be a, a good mark. You see that when you need to schedule for 200 300 folks it becomes really cumbersome um when it comes to forecasting it's a little different uh, it's not so much about the number of agents you're managing but the number of skills that you have to forecast for it 
it's time consuming to forecast for a single skill if you have 20 skills you you need to devote quite a few of uh of your hours in a given day or week to to those skills uh so you know looking at ratios more towards the number of skills that you have to to forecast for there and then um then you have the third piece of the triad of workforce management which is real-time management uh, and there what i like to think about is the hours of operations that you're supporting so for rta uh, the number of eyeballs you're going to need on the screen and how long you're going to need those eyeballs to stick around for you know throughout the week so running a 24 7 hour operation might be very different than a five days a week eight to five kind of uh, kind of operation now if doing the math so you had 60 schedulers working for uh, the team there yeah i did not uh we were running slim is what i would uh, i would call it but uh what we did is rely on some of the bpos and the wfm staff that they had at each site to staff up on the rta piece but also on the scheduler so we were relying on other teams that we managed with a trimmed down version uh you know at our headquarters in nashville Okay, so that was a bit of a gotcha question, and I admittedly tried to tried to stump you on that one because th clearly there are economies of scale at play here, right? Once you get to a certain number, you don't need the exact one to one hundred ratio that that kind of comes through. It you know you start to see the the ability to do that, and that's that's an important thing, and that's why it's so hard to answer this question. Is you know yes, when you're first starting out, you know you get above 100 agents and one single person is scheduling all of those people that's that's a lot especially if to do schedule exceptions and re real-time analysts and all of those things but we we definitely see some economies of scale there so great thank you for that it's wonderful to have you on appreciate it um the next voice you're about to hear is my buddy kevin wilk uh kevin has been doing this for quite some time uh and spent a lot of time doing a lot of the workforce management but don't hear it for me. Kevin, tell us a little bit about why you're better than Florian and uh, why we should uh, understand what's going on. I don't know about that, Dave, but thanks for the introduction and confidence. Uh, so, yeah, um, I pretty much started in workforce management when I was a teenager. My first, well, not in workforce management, in customer service, sorry, uh, working my way up. Uh, my first job in high school was doing technical support for a small town internet service provider, literally picking up the phone, dealing with uh, customers and troubleshooting their issues. Um, I kind of worked my way out of that and into more of the technical side of things, uh, but stayed close to customer service the entire time and eventually uh, found my way into workforce management. It was kind of, uh, it wasn't anything I really intended at the time. It was never like the career path that I said, hmm, I'm going to be a workforce manager. But I think there is a 100% <laughs> ratio of people who never intended to be in WFM of people that are in WFM. Yeah. Uh, but I got in and I found that I really enjoyed the work and the skills. And uh, next thing I knew, I had been working in there for seven in that field for seven years. And uh, so that's kind of me in a nutshell. And now you're helping uh, you're helping others learn how to use the platform yeah. and spending time with that here at Calabrio. So it's really great yeah. to have you be a part of this and we value your experience. And so the question I kind of want you to address a little bit. This is another question we get is. I don't think people write down, you know, when you're in first grade and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Nobody writes down, I want to be a WFM analyst, right? But at a certain point, people who get into contact center space, they do see that they kind of maybe want to trend towards that. And so if you were to 
if someone were to ask you, how could I kind of get into workforce management? Maybe how would you do that? And what kind of skills might you focus on? Yeah, um, I think probably the most important skills in workforce management are the communication and the people skills. Uh, WFM is about relationships. It's about your relationship with operations, with your HR teams, uh, with all of the other departments that make up the organization and make the business function. So first and foremost for me is communication skills. Um, I think second is a good analytical background, being able to think through problems and uh, propose, uh, you know, and, and really work out the solution and be able, probably third in that would be um, just working on your Excel skills to be able to work with data and be able to present it in a way that is understood by your audience so that you're able to get your point across. Because a lot of what you do in WFM revolves around numbers and uh, those can be difficult sometimes to, to communicate. Yeah. So f one of the things I notice about us workforce management nerds is there seems to be really strong love for spreadsheets. And I'm being nice because some of us don't like Excel <laughs> as much as the other one. Uh, but Can you express that in a pivot table, that idea, because and, that's what I need in my life. And see, you stole my thunder, <laughs> Kevin, because then, then you really get to know the WFM nerds when you talk about pivot tables. If pivot tables make you excited, you just might be a WFM nerd, right? Because it's a very common thread in what, what we do, right? And... I, you hear the story over and over again when you ask people how they get into this business. They said, well, I was working at the contact center and I was pretty good with Excel. And one thing you know, led to another and I was in workforce management. It seems to be very common. It's, it's the way I got into it. I know that the, it's the way you guys kind of all fell into it. And, um, you know, that's the really interesting part is when people want to get into this space, you do have to have that analytical background. And then usually what they do is they find out that they kind of like the people part of it too. And that's what happened to me. I was, I wasn't into math. I didn't, I didn't, I hated math in high school. I, was, I chose my college major specifically because there was no math. Uh, that's, that, that's what's going on. And so there seems to be that, you know, we talk a lot about workforce management being like part art, part science. Some people really like the science part and some people really like the art part. I was definitely one of those people. Yeah. And I think it's um, also the curiosity, right? That comes, it's not just loving Excel or being able to love pivot tables, but it's also staying curious about the business, understanding why the goals, why the results and uh, through, you know, through your curiosity, just keep on digging and loving it that's that's how that's how i fell into it is because i wanted to understand why service level wasn't achieved on a given day and how staffing played a part in that and such a key word curiosity gosh that word just keeps coming up over yeah. and over again when we talk about the kind of people that we want to look and so that's a great segue florian into uh, meeting our third guest here and he's been so good and so quiet uh joe <laughs> prosciutti lo lo love that you're here joe um Joe's been doing this for a long time. He's led lots of WFM teams, but again, don't hear it from me, hear it from Joe. Joe, tell us a little bit about your, about your background. All right, thanks, Dave. Um, so I came into the space because I, I, I was in a insurance company. I, they were starting a WFM team. I didn't know what it was. Uh, they were like, hey, you should apply for this. So I did, and I got an interview. They're asking questions about 
numbers and data. They really didn't talk about workforce management. It was basically just, you know, numbers and data. They hired me and I had to build a team. So I was, it was me as like the forecaster. And then I was able to hire two real-time analysts. And then we grew and we had, you know, we added on two more real-time analysts and two more forecasters and schedulers. So it was something where it started from the ground and we were able to build it from the ground up. And I think a lot of what you guys are talking about with analytical thinking and communication skills, that, that all, you know, goes into it. And whenever you are building something like that from the ground up, you, you're, you're looking at people inside the organization who would be good for this role inside the organization. Cause you don't really, at that point, it was 2004. There weren't really a lot of people out there externally who had the, the knowledge and skill related to workforce management that you would bring in from the outside. So I was looking inside for that kind of talent. Yeah. And you know, we, we all know someone who is very analytical, but might not be the best choice Right. for this particular role um now when the team gets larger you have a, it's a little easier to kind of hide the analytical person behind the in the dark room behind the curtain right and please never talk to anyone <laughs> but uh when you're a smaller team you those analytical analytical people can often have to be responsible for out and dealing with the, the the masses and and yes i know times have changed a little bit since we all kind of got into this group everything we used to do was very face to face right you always had the opportunity to walk up to someone's desk and nowadays with remote work and hybrid working uh, lots of different uh, choices out there that that spin that so this question is kind of for you joe and for you florian i know that uh, a lot of times we get inquiries or i see them online nobody asks me directly but i see these on on some of the message boards and things like that like hey i i have a, an interview for a wfm position coming up and uh what what should i expect and so uh joe let me start with you when you were kind of bringing in those those team members what kind of things were part of the interview uh, you've already mentioned some of the skills that you looked for but how did you really flesh those out and make sure that uh, those people had those actual skills that you needed? Well, I think the most important part, and I, you know, Kevin mentioned this, is the people skills. So I was, I was asking questions about how they, how they are in a team environment, how they deal with conflict in a team environment, because that's ultimately what's going to happen. If you're a real-time analyst, you're going to have conflict with the operations team whenever you ask where somebody is, why aren't they on break at the right time, where, why aren't they going to lunch, why are they not ready for so long? Those kind of things you have to be able to ask and be comfortable with that. So I was bringing in people who had very, they were friendly people who understood data, um, team players who could step in for someone else on the team if they weren't there or if they needed help. So that that was basically my, you know, and also when I when we first started again, it's 2004, we didn't have the chats in the operational you know world there. When we had calls in queue, I had to have my real-time analyst stand up and yell how many calls were in queue <laughs> and people hated that. And even the people, even the real-time analysts hated that. So that was the kind of environment we were in. So I wanted to bring in people that could do things like that and kind of put themselves out there, but also understand the data piece of it. Now, was this, was this like, did they just stand up and yell seven? Uh, they would yell the, the well. I won't say it, it, we had it's proprietary with the, the the companies we worked with, but they would yell out the company name, how many calls were in queue, and sometimes they would stand up and yell that we had 
four people and not ready on that in that, in that guy. Oh. so it was just there, a lot of yelling in the in the call center so you guys can see though that there's no real great answer to this and so florian was was there anything you you did in particular i know a big thing that comes across in a lot of these interviews is are tests right we we, we do tests did, were you responsible for any of those yeah i've done a few of those uh, truly uh, at first, the main thing I was looking for is somebody who has empathy uh, that's going to join a WFM team is somebody who knows what a high occupancy day feels like getting calls back to back. Um, it's a it's a different feeling. So I was looking for somebody who had some experience in the contact center as an agent, ideally, uh, so that they know that when they're impacting somebody's schedules, they know they're playing with people's, you know, lives um, uh, day in and day out. But yes, were there occasions where uh, we set up tests to test the uh, the Excel skills or the chops overall? Absolutely. We, uh, there's one specific um, interview process that comes to my mind where we had set up a Excel sheet with millions of uh, data points in it, uh, some erroneous data points, some uh, real hidden gems in the in the middle of uh, of the data set. And uh, the goal was not only for the um, interviewee to figure out where the anomalies were in the data set, but also how they would present that data set at a more executive level and and just overall build um, a sheet. So the, the guy we ended up hiring now works at Calabrio whenever we did this and um, had built this spreadsheet with 17 different tabs and a different approach uh, to uh, to the to the challenges that were presented. Um, the explanation that he provided with it is really what sold uh, the, the role uh, for him and uh yeah years later still work with him and and the dude is crushing it out there and he still likes you he still right. loves me for some reason that that's awesome you know another thing that as you're talking about empathy i was thinking about was um when you bring those people when you're talking to those people about wfm you want to bring someone in if you're bringing them from the inside even as well that can keep a secret that cannot is not going to go out to the floor and talk to their friends about what's happening because you're going to get information as a workforce management person around people's, you know, you know, terminations, people that are quitting. Um, maybe there's HR implications that you're aware of because you're scheduling time for them to be off the phones. You don't want somebody that's going to come in and say, oh, my friend is being let go on Friday. I'm going to go let them know that's happening. So you have to have some kind of, you know, tact when it comes to that kind of stuff too. And that was something I asked about in every interview. Okay. Tact. So, I mean, it, what it really comes down to is people skills, right? right the right. the ability to s stop for a second and say, okay, I'm dealing with human beings about, about this as well. And so yeah, now, Kevin, when we were talking earlier, when we started talking about these tests, you, 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 you got a little bit upset and I, I'm curious. That's a little salty, maybe. Yeah. A little salty. That's a, that's a good term. Um, <laughs> tell me about why this particular process of, of testing employees or testing interviewees got you a little bit hot under the uh, collar. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's really good to understand the fundamentals and the basics. And that's kind of what you're getting at when you're, you're trying to do a lot of these tests. But a lot of times the, the things that we're testing on are not things that are going to be part of your normal day. Uh, I feel like, at least in my situation, you know, we had WFM scheduling software. I never had to build a forecast by hand. Um, you know, I never had to do things in Excel ever 
you know, in the position I was in. I did things in Excel outside of that for other reasons, and my Excel skills were extremely valuable for that. But the I felt the the questions tend to be those sort of like WFM catch questions you you see a lot, you know, calculating occupancy and shrinkage and understanding, you know, the, those basic concepts. But in practice, they they maybe aren't as useful, but still good to understand. So it just it felt kind of like a gotcha in the interview when I'm going in there and they're like asking about occupancy and I have to, you know, wait a minute, I only know this terminology because of this particular, you know, WFM thing. And like, we don't even use it as a metric. It's not a KPI that we're tracking right now. (laughs) Yeah. And and I will say like what I see sometimes posted online are things like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have them uh, take a forecast and then build a, a, a staffing requirement and then build a schedule on top of it. And it's like, and then I might even put errors in my data when I do that. Yes, that that's just evil. That's Never evil. Would do that. Yeah, and, and the but, but what you see is is you what hopefully the goal is is not to say okay this is a test that if you make less than a ninety you don't make it onto this. It's really about how do you apply the knowledge that you've learned in the past, right? How can yeah, you get, it's about those analytics. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, 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 it's the it's exactly what the it is. thinking and working through problems. You know, how are you going to approach it and get to the solution? And can you explain and justify how you got there? I think that's the key point is how you explain, you know, what you are seeing, because in the end, workforce management, yes, there's some analytics that go into it, but it's how you handle conversations with people um, when yeah. it comes to scheduling or when it comes to your executive leadership team is how you present challenges to them that have occurred and that you have identified in your contact center, your ability to communicate with others because workforce management partners with HR and with marketing and with finance and with the product team, you have to be able to talk to other people. You're, you know, oftentimes you think about the WFM team as what we alluded to earlier, the person in the dark room without the windows in the closet, just crunching numbers, but no, really it's somebody who has empathy, who can, uh, who is curious and can talk to others. Yeah. If I had to say like, what's my biggest challenge, like that I remember from workforce management, right. In all the years that I did it, it was, it was those discussions with the team leads about, I need so-and-so to get back on the phones. Like, I'm sorry, I know you want, you need to do a training with them, but we have to get these calls answered. It's, it's the conversations and the discussions I had. It was never figuring out how yeah. to create a weighted average in Excel. It was never about crunching a particular forecast and making sure this part was weighted more heavily than the other. It was always about those conversations. And so, Joe, go ahead. You were going to make a point. Yeah, well, just like you were saying, I, you know, I had a daily, every morning we had a meeting and we had all the, all the different managers from every department come to that meeting and WFM would explain here are our priorities for the day so if we're going to be asking later for people to help somewhere else or maybe going home because we have too much staff on that day it, we I had that the the leader of that call would rot, have rotation so we'd have an RTA do it one day a forecaster do it one day I would do it one day but I think having those conversations every day and people we would explain here's where we are month of date on our service levels <laughs> Here's where we are in our abandoned numbers. You know, this is our attendance for the day. We would give all that information in that morning meeting. We met for a half hour. And I think that when we started doing that, 
a lot of those conversations were a lot easier to have because people understood where it was coming from. And when we would go out to a team lead in, during the day and say, look, we're going to cancel your team meeting today because of this, they, they understood why. Yeah, I, I think those are really good points. There's like a sort of this uh, balance between the needs of the business and recognizing that these are individual people ultimately and at some level they're individual problems that need to be dealt with so definitely having those those skills is really important right yeah the it's it's the age-old question that i'm sure you guys have said hundreds of times in your career if not more is if they understand the why it yeah. makes it so much easier to digest and and you know i'll admit at the beginning of my career i wasn't very good at explaining the why it was like because they're on my butt to get these people back on the phones that's why because i said so yeah. and, but if but if we if we do a better job and and that's the thing is sometimes you know contact centers can be understaffed for many months in a row and everybody's feeling the pressure and it's like seriously i haven't had a one-on-one -on -one with my agents in like months and now you want to cancel this one again and it, yeah yeah i I, I'm sorry. I understand. Right. Those, those were the harder conversations. And, you know, there were times where, um, you know, we would have those conversations where we wanted, we wanted to cancel a meeting or we wanted to pull somebody onto the phone because we had calls in queue. And I always told people we can discuss and argue about this later, but let's, when we ask someone to be on the phone, put them on the phone, there's a reason for it. And right or wrong that's what i wanted them to do like i i we can discuss it later and, and if, it, if we were wrong for doing it then we can talk about that later because I, I you know wfm in my in my world has always been responsible for those slas and those asas so i wanted them to understand that we're never going to ask for something because we just are trying to get at you but if there's a problem with it do it and we'll talk about it later Oh, I asked for stuff just to get at them. No, I'm just kidding. I, I wouldn't do that. Don't do that. Uh, WFMers out there. Go ahead. Kevin, you were going to say? Um, yeah, I, I think that, like, especially with operations, you know, it's in, in WFM, it's so easy to get focused on the numbers portion of it, too. And I would just wanted to throw the thought out there to encourage people to, like, focus on the behaviors that change the numbers and not so much the numbers. Um, I, I just feel like a lot of times you're talking to, you know, people about your call volume or your abandon rate or other things like that. And that doesn't translate to what they need to do to actually affect change. It's much better to talk about the behaviors we need to do. You know, we need agents to wrap up faster. We need these other things to happen um, and address those. Yeah, it goes back to that skill that we talked about earlier, that insatiable curiosity. Right. That yeah. why is this happening and, wh and what can I do to, to, you know, when we just start accepting status quo, that's when that's when things get really, really goofy. So I think, um, you know, the, 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 there are three components that I would always think about whenever building a workforce management team. And we've talked about one quite a bit. It's the people, the people you hire and the people you work with. Uh, the, the, that's definitely one of the, the, the components. But the other two are processes and the technology so processes that you put in place and you know joe what you were talking about reviewing metrics on a daily or on a weekly and monthly basis mbrs qbrs all the various reviews you could do um the processes uh, the, the the goals that are 
put in place, right, for adherence numbers or for your SLAs, reviewing your SLAs from time to time, is it still good to have a very aggressive service level of 80-20, what, you know, is usually considered as the, as the norm out there, but truly doesn't impact quality much. Uh, and then technology, of course, you know, we are a technology company and um, doing workforce management work without a workforce management platform is incredibly tricky. Uh, doing it all via Excel is challenging. So of course, the technology, but also the integration of your WFM platform with the ACD, with the chat platform, um, or your CRM of choice. Um, th those three components, I, I would always think are key to a successful workforce management team, people, process, and technology. Technology. For sure. And, you know, I think that when, and I talk to Kevin about this very, very often, you know, as you are running this and you are staying up on, you know, changes and making sure that you're up on the latest things that are going on, you also want to make sure that you are catering those processes toward the, the software that you're using and not trying to change the software to meet the, the processes that you have in your center. I, I work with so many customers who just say, I, you know, we've done this for the last 10 years. This is, how, this is how we do it. And when you get a tool like Calabrio, you you want to see what the tool can do and then maybe look at changing processes to, to that continuous education, continuous improvement piece of the of the wheel there. Yeah, you can hear the pain in Joe's voice when he says that, because that's that's what it's like to try and implement a solution with with uh, with people. And you know what? We're all guilty of it. You, you like something the way it is. And, you know, it's really a mindset more than it is necessarily anything else is going in and feeling uh, feeling confident that we can get those pieces done. And just to add to that, I feel like the collaboration with other departments also comes into play on that a lot, especially if you're talking about an HRMS integration. And a lot of times when you're talking about your initial project deployment, it's a lot easier to get the energy and motivation to you know, discuss and fix your processes for the new technology, then roll out the technology and then have to look at revisiting your processes down the road. Yeah. Um, when big changes happen, that's also time to make big decisions, right? And, yeah. you know, reevaluate your skills, reevaluate your, your, your things like that. And so, absolutely. All right, guys, the last point I kind of want to talk about um, is when we look at workforce management um, and career progression, right? So I'd love to think that there's a bunch of WFM people out here listening to the podcast and, and want to learn more. Um, if you guys, and I'm going to kind of round robin this. So, uh, you know, Joe, we'll start with you. If you were to give someone some advice on how to get promoted within the WFM ranks, you know, in 30 seconds or less, what would your answer be? <laughs> I would say understand the contact center, understand the metrics, the KPIs, the people. Use use your 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 coworkers to understand the tool. So if, if I want to, if I'm a real-time analyst and I want to be a forecaster, I need to work with the forecasters on my WFM team to understand how those things work and why it's important. So whenever I get in that position, I know what I'm doing and I understand what the numbers mean and how they impact the overall contact center. Right. And so, Kevin, same question. Um, I've always been fond of the saying, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. So find a problem within your organization that's within your scope and that you're able to uh, you know, address or come up with some solution for and throw yourself out there. 
you know, it may not be the perfect solution, but, you know, find a problem, try to fix it. Yeah, have have that person go, oh, this, actually, this person might have something here. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, Florian, you got the final word here. Let's, uh, if you if you were given someone, someone some advice on how to get promoted within the ranks, what would you say? If I was to go back to my younger self wanting to become a WFM manager, uh, I would say WFM managers are people leader first. Uh, so work on your communication skills, on ensuring that you know what it feels like. Put yourself in the shoes of a WFM admin or an agent when you are making decisions. Uh, but overall, be a, a coach, uh, a mentor uh, that has a vision for where you want to take your WFM team, how you want to scale it, the processes you want to put in place, the technology you want to put into your, in your WFM team. And uh, and yeah, focus on those three things and you'll, you'll go far. Wow, three three really great pieces of advice there from uh, from some people who have been been through this and and have really done it. So, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you guys so much for joining me. I appreciate it, uh, and hopefully, our listeners are going to get a ton of great information out of this particular piece. Um, I always like to say thank you to our listeners for spending some time with us, and hopefully, you found this informative. And we're always looking for another great idea for uh, what we what people want to hear on the podcast. So if you have an idea, get in touch with us. Just go to collaborate.com, literally find any email address and, and shoot it to us. Uh, it'll it'll find its way where it needs to go. So uh, we really do appreciate the time. Kevin, Florian, Joe, thank you guys so much. It's a pleasure working with you guys day in and day out. And uh, I think that our customers are really going to benefit quite a bit from the conversation. So appreciate you. Uh, from the Calabrio team. Thank you guys so much uh, for spending some time with us and we will see you guys on the next episode of Working Smarter with Calabrio. Thanks everybody.